it should be good. All right, so we just started this series called White Flag last week, and it's a study on the, the, the person of Jonah in, 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 the, in the Old Testament. And uh, it's, it's called White Flag because it's really a story about running and running from God and runners. Jonah is your classic runner. But we also talked about how all of us kind of at one point in time or another run from God. Some of us are running from him right now. Some of us are, are maybe not completely running. It's not like we don't believe in him. It's not like we, we we're totally turning our back on him. But there's just an area of our life or something that we're just resistant to him in our lives, and, and in a sense, like if we're honest, we can sit and laugh at Jonah, but we can also say, you know what, I'm kind of like Jonah. There are times where I just run from God. Put that slide up of what Jonah did last last week. We talked about this. So Jonah is from the, the area that says Joppa. That's where he left from. That's in Israel, and God called him to Nineveh, which is 550 miles away from from um, uh, Israel as the crow flies. Which is a long trip. Can we all agree? Like, hey, if, I, if God called you to walk 550 miles, you'd be like, come again? You know, and maybe think about that, maybe not want to do that. But Jonah decides as a runner, he's like, no, not only am I going to run, I'm going to run, I'm really going to run. And he decides he's going to go to Tarshish, which we think is in modern day, like, Spain area. Um, so in, in, in Jonah's mind, this is, is like far, this is, this is the edge of the world. This is as far as, as commercial routes will take him, and he decides, hey, I, I, you know, I still believe in you, God, but I don't want to do what you say. I don't want to do what you want me to do. And can we just all agree? Let's just level set this morning. We've all been there one way or another. Even if you don't, you're not even sure if you believe in God. You're not sure if, if, if the Bible's true. There's, you know, there's, there's times in your life you're like, I, I, I've resisted what's good for me. And in a sense, I've resisted and run from God. And we talked about how we do runners. There's, there's kind of a few things that are in common. We all have in common as runners. We all do strange things. We all get on boats to run away from God. Jonah, come on, really? Like, God's like, man, what am I going to do? He got on a boat, you know? It's just like, uh, you know, so, so we all do strange things. We all decide, hey, you know, not only am I going to date her, I'm going to move in with her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry her. And, you know, like, I'm going to, you know, not only am I going to drink, I'm going to drink myself to death. You know, like, whatever it is, we're like, we do strange things when we're running from God. Um, we also, a lot of times, Things happen in our lives that are kind of like hints that this isn't working, that running isn't working. But as runners, we're often the last people to see it, right? You know, everybody else around you is like, hey, you might want to slow it down. Hey, you might want to think about it. No, no, we're good. And you, a lot of times as runners, we're the last ones to get it. We're the last ones to see it. We also talked about that you, at, the, at the end, we talked about how you, we can run from God. It's a kind of interesting, isn't it? The God of the universe allows us to run from him. He, he leaves us with that. His, we're his creation. We're totally his. And yet he says, I'm okay with that. I'll let, I'll let you go. We can run from God, but the truth is we can't outrun God. We can't outrun God because God is after us. God, God is coming at, he doesn't, he wants, he doesn't want us, and, and he's not codependent, he's not like always there, but he's, he's always mindful, we, we get this from Jonah's story, you know, you know, Jonah, Jonah was a prophet, God asked him to go prophesy to the place in Nineveh, and he didn't, and instead of just saying, God saying, oh well, I guess I just need a new prophet, he's like, no, I want, I want you, Jonah, to be a part of this, not because, not because he needed, I need you, Jonah. No, it's God. He could have found someone else. But the story, in the story, we learn 
that, that God, you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Put that, that, that big idea that we had last week, that, that God is after us not to pay you back, but to win you back. That when we run from God, when we distance ourselves from God, he's actually, he's, he's, he's after us not to pay us back, although sometimes it feels that way. We'll get to that in a second. But he's actually after us he, to win us back, to bring us back. We'll find that, that God is just as passionate about Jonah, the Ninevites, as he is Jonah himself. He cares about Nineveh. He cares about Nineveh. He cares about Jonah, and he wants Jonah to be a part. So he, he's after Jonah to, to bring him back. No, I want you to be a part of this. And it's funny how it all happens, how it all goes down. He's on this boat, and um, there's this huge storm that was sent by God. We, we talked about this. There's this phrase, and then God, and then God did this. Like all throughout the story is like Jonah does this, and then God does this. And God provided a, a storm on this boat. And this is such a bad storm. It's about to break up. And there's this whole funny, you know, inter, interchange between the sailors and Jonah. And Jonah kind of kind of finally comes clean and says, hey, you know, this storm, it's because of me. It's what, that it's, it's happening. And so they're like, what should we do? He's like, throw me overboard. So they do. They throw him overboard. And the storm stops. Like immediately, like like you know that like in the New Testament when Jesus is like falling asleep at the you know and he's in the boat with his disciples and there's a storm and he's asleep and, and wakes up and then he calms the storm and it stops you know it's kind of like it just stops and the sailors are like okay now what do we do you know Jonah's just waiting and treading water right next to the boat like do we pick him up and like I'm not picking that guy you know like there's just this whole but it doesn't last long because it says this and go ahead and open your bibles um, to Jonah chapter 1 well Jonah chapter 1 and then we're going to look at Jonah chapter 2 it says this and, and what page is it it's like 460 or something like that call it out when you when somebody gets there um, Jonah chapter 2 um it but it, it says that, that that he's sitting in the water and it's another one of those phrases, and then the Lord. And then the Lord provided a great fish that came and swallowed Jonah. And again, we, we talked about last week. And the Lord provided a life raft, a, a buoy, a life vest. No, no. The Lord provided a fish to eat Jonah. It was a theological fish. <laughs> 436, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, this is verse 17, chapter 1, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, first verse of chapter 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, and he's, in which we said last, we said last week, I bet he did, <laughs> I bet he prayed to God, and here's the, here's the thing, I found this, um, this quote from Beth Moore this week that I really like, is, it goes like this. Go ahead, put it up. Nope, next one. God can as easily and effectively create a storm in the calm as he can calm the storm in a crisis. And this is what I want to talk about today. Because the Lord... The, the, and then the Lord sent a great storm. And then the Lord provided a big fish to, swallow, to, eat, <laughs> to eat his prophet. 
And here's what we have to wrestle with. In a sense, we, we had good news from our big idea last week, that God is not after you to pay you back, but to win you back. That's good to know. That's good to know that God cares enough for us to come after us, and, his, and, and, he's, and he's gracious, right? But the reality is, is if you're going to follow God, we need to know that God can as easily and effectively create a storm in the calm as he can calm the storm in the crisis. All of us have cried out to God in crisis, probably, to calm the storm. We would love for him to do that. Maybe you did it this week. Maybe you prayed to God and said, God, would you just calm this? But the reality is we have to recognize that as followers of Jesus, as followers of God, he can easily and effectively create a storm in our lives as he does, as, as he can calm a storm in our lives. In other words, you could say for this phrase, God is not afraid to create a storm in your life. God is not afraid because he loves us so much to, to, to really mess, mess with our lives, get involved and, and, and throw things into chaos. He can sometimes be in that chaos. Now, here's what I'm not saying, and I thought about this a lot this week. I'm not saying that everything that's going wrong in your life, God is just like, boom, boom, boom. You know, like that, that's, that's, like, that's like the Greek mythology gods, you know, that are just throwing lightning bolts down at the humans. They're like, ah, they're running around like crazy. That is not the God of the Bible. Not every storm in our lives is sent by him. Jonah's are, we know that. So whatever storm you're going on, that's going on in your life, maybe, maybe God sent it, but maybe it's just life. But here's the beautiful thing. God is willing, even though he might not have sent the storm, he's willing to use that storm to bring about something in you. And that's what I want to talk about today. This is the big idea for today. And, the, you know, this is kind of hard news God is generous with his grace, and he's thorough with his discipline. God is extremely generous with his grace. He's gracious enough to let us run, but not just wash his hands of us. He's gracious enough to come after us, to bring us back, to bring us back into his story. He's gracious enough to send his son to die for us on the cross. He's coming, like he's coming back, he's coming for us, not to pay us back, not to, 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 to put us on the cross for our sins. No, that Jesus did that. He's coming after us to offer us grace. And that's important to know. And, I, I like the word and a lot recently. I find myself saying, but... But he's thorough with his grace. No, it's and. Both are true. And he's thorough with his discipline. Which means when we do something wrong, sometimes there's consequences for it. And he's not afraid to allow, he's not afraid to let us go through the consequences. He's not afraid, he, he, he might not spare us from the consequences. Because he's thorough in his discipline. Think about it this way. When do you think that Jonah was fully repentant in this story? I, I'll give you my, my opinion on the matter. I think Jonah was repentant about this time. And a one, and a two, and a three. You know, I think as he was about to be pitched into a storm that was breaking apart a ship, I think that's when he was like, God, I am so sorry. 
And then what did God do? He provided a fish and sw- that swallowed Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. Why? Because God is generous with his grace, and he's thorough with his discipline. This is so important to understand. As I think about my kids, as I think about students in the room, it's like, guys, I want you to understand this. But as adults, we don't always see it. We don't always, like, if God was with me, why is this happening? If God was with me, then he'd answer this prayer. And it's like, no, God is answering this prayer through discipline. See, behind all loving discipline, all loving discipline is aimed at bringing back. Right? All loving discipline is aimed at, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. I want you to train you not to do that behavior which is harmful to you. That's why I'm disciplining you. I have a friend who uh, is an ex-Navy SEAL. And he's, not only was he a Navy SEAL, after he did the SEAL team for years, he went back to the SEAL team training center in San Diego. What's the name of it? It's BUDS. It's called BUDS. And he, and, and he was, like, head of the whole thing. And I, and I, I, I talked to him about, like, don't, like, you're, you're like that guy yelling at, you know, do more push-ups, do more sit-ups, carry that log in the sand, go stand in the water even though you're freezing. Like, like for days and days, I mean, it's just brutal, these, this training process to, to weed out. It's something like the attrition process is like 9 out of 10 of guys that get accepted into BUDS are, are out. And they're just disciplined, disciplined, disciplined. And it's like, do, do these guys think you're a monster? He's like, some of them do. But the ones who get it know that I'm doing this because that's what they're, they're going to need. They need to find that in themselves so that they can do what they need to do later on the battlefield, support their team. You know, the whole thing. He's like, see, see behind all loving discipline is a bring back. This attitude, no, no, I'm, I'm going to bring you back. I, I, I want something for you, not something from you, right? Parents, when we're at our best, we'll talk about our worst here in a second. When we're at our best, our discipline is not spiteful. It's not trying to extract something from our kids. It's trying to train them, no, you don't want to do that. And so I'm giving you a consequence here to to keep you away from that kind of behavior. Because if I don't, the consequences of that behavior later, that's like jail. And so out of love for you, I'm trying to bring you back to what is right. Now, sometimes sometimes we are spiteful. Sometimes we are angry. And I hope you're like me. When you do that, you, you turn around and you're quick to apologize to your kids. Hey, I, I, do lo- I do love you, and I did that wrong. I do want what's best for you because behind all loving discipline is aimed, all loving discipline is aimed at bring back. And the same dynamic is going on right now in our lives with you and your heavenly Father. There is discipline that he's, 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 he's disciplining you and me and all of us. I could show you so many scriptures. We looked at one last, last week where it's don't despise the Lord's discipline because he disciplines, he rebukes those who he loves. The reason that he allows you to go through hard times and allows you to be disciplined is because he, he, he cares enough for you. He sees something valuable in you something worth fighting for, something worth disciplining and training so that it can become what it needs to be and, and, and happiness that follows. 
behind all loving discipline, the aim of it is to bring back. But here's the thing. Isn't it true that a lot of times when we're in the midst of that discipline, there's resistance? In the midst of that discipline, we're like, where are you, God? In the midst of that discipline, we can, we can truly say, no, I don't know if I want this. I don't, and, we, and we might, it might cause us to even run further. But here's something cool. There's something incredible that happens in chapter 2 of Jonah. Jonah has an aha moment. Literally inside the belly of the whale. He has an aha moment. He's like, I, oh, I get it. I get it now. Something happens, and, and something happens he, he, when we see as God sees. We, and we get to see that firsthand through the story of Jonah. So in, in the book of two, or in the book of two, the second chapter of Jonah says this, chapter two, verse two. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said this, in my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. Keep in mind, he's in the fish still. He's in the fish still, and he said, I called out in my distress, and the Lord answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. <laughs> you know, like, what dead stuff was in there with him? Like, from deep in the realm of the dead, literally, all these stinky fish, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. And here's, here's why the Lord allows storms in our life, some even, sometimes even sends storms into our lives, because sometimes it's like tapping on the shoulder. It's a way for us to snap out of way. Oh, I've been running from the goodness of God. And the truth is, guys, can we all agree, isn't this true, that in our distress, what do we call out to? Who do we call out to? You might not even, you might not even be sure if you believe in God. And if you get distressed or not, you're praying. Because in our distress, we call out to God. This is so powerful to me. I was thinking about it this week. We don't call, we, guess what we don't call out to? In our distress, we don't call out to our friends who we got into trouble with. Because they're right there with us, right? In our distress, we don't call out to the, to the thing that we got into trouble doing. We don't call out to, you know what I mean? We don't call out to the, the career we were chasing, the addiction, the lifestyle. We don't call out to the rebellion. We call out to God. You know why? Because I think God's the, actually the realest thing in our lives. And when we are distressed, our go-to is to call out to him. Why? Because we are his children. I think it, it's a really solid case to we have a heavenly father. And in our distress, we call out to him. Because in our gut, we know that the most valuable thing about living is a connection to our heavenly father. And then it says this, from, the the deep in, from deep in the realm of the dead, I call for help, and you listen to my cry. This is so powerful. Did you know that God hears the desperate cries from desperate people in desperate situations, a lot of times that they've made themselves. I want you to hear that. Everybody look at me. God hears the cry from desperate people in desperate times, in desperate circumstances that they put themselves in. 
Hang on to that. Students, hang on to that. When you're in a desperate time that you've put yourself in, you can call out to God and he will listen to your cry. It's pretty incredible. You hurled me into the depths of the sea, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. This is, this is, you can, can, this is like a song or a, a prayer or a soliloquy from Jonah. It's, it's, it's his way, it's very poetic. You hurled me into the depths. You hurled me. I'm starting to see, I'm seeing clearly your hand in my life, God. You provided the fish. You made the storm. You hurled me to the depths. And I'm still talking to you. Keep going. I've said, verse 4, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. See, see, Jonah has clarity at this point. It's not the sailors, not the storm, not the circumstances. It's God. It's God's activity. And, and I want you to pause and think, think about the circumstances in your life this week. Think about the things that you pushed against, the things that you, ah, you just... It, I can't believe my boss or, you know, like the, the schoolwork, and I don't know, I don't know if I'm smart enough for this, or all of the, the, the circumstances in your life. Where might God have been in those circumstances? Because what's beautiful is Jonah in this moment, he has this moment of clarity. He's like, I get it. I've been running from God, and he's been after me, not to, not to pay me back, but to win me back. We'll see the, 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 the message of grace here just in a second. In fact, let's just look at it. He's, it, it um, he sees now. He sees now that you that that God is behind the chaos, behind the calamity. Verse five: The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in, forever. Why? Because God is God's discipline is thorough, to ensure it, that we we don't go back the way that we came. All of, this, all of this is happening, and Jonah's still tracking with God. He says, but you, Lord my God, you brought my life up from the pit. And that phrase is really interesting, isn't it? Because where is he? He's in the fish. Is the fish the pit? No, what's the pit? To Jonah, in this moment of clarity, what's the pit? The pit is being far from God. The, the, the pit in life is not, not, not being in a, in a really, man, this is a tough situation that I'm in, being in the belly of fish. No, I'm not in the pit anymore. I've come out of the pit. It, while I'm in this fish, I'm coming out of the pit. In the pit, the pit that I was in was my distance from God. God, I'm waving the white flag, and I'm coming back. Isn't that interesting language? Let's read it again. But you, my Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those, and then this, this is the verse. This is, this is the key verse. That I think that, that this is the big takeaway. This is in, the, in this, clear, this clear moment, Jonah sees, the, sees this, and this is so powerful. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. 
He's like, those who cling to worthless idols, those who run from God, those who say, God, I know you want good things for me. God, I know that you love me. God, I know that you have a plan for my life, but here's where you, you can just keep that. I'm going this way. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. One version of the Bible says they forfeit God's love for them. They, 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 they just say, yes, I know you love me, but I, I, I just don't care. And that's the insight. When we run from God, that we're actually just, we're forfeiting good things. We're forfeiting th- the, what, the life that God wants for us. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love from them. They forfeit it. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to make good what, what I have vowed, I will make good. In other words, what, whatever you want me to do, I'm, I'm willing to do it now, God. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And this word salvation here could also mean, like, it's deliverance. He's in the belly of the fish, but the Lord will deliver me from that. He's confident of that. And it comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, proclaim to it the message I give to you. Verse 3, there's no but Jonah here. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. When I was a kid, or when I was 16, 15 and three quarters or something like that. I, I uh, was at my friend's house, and, and he had this car called the Turd. It gives us this brown Chevy, I think it was a Chevy Cavalier or something like that, with like, like crushed velvet, red, orangish I- interior. So we called it the Turd. And I didn't have my driver's license, but I decided... I was going to drive, I had my, my temporary license, but I really wanted to drive the turd to go. I need to go to my house to get like a swimsuit so we could go over here, blah, blah, blah. I won't go into the whole story, but it involves getting a flat tire and like getting out of control in the car, flat tire. My parents kind of like, hey, what's going on when I pulled up? But they didn't see me get out of the car. They thought my friend Bob was driving. It's whole thing. Days of lying, you know how one lie leads to another, which leads, and it's never one lie. You have to lie to cover up the lie, that whole thing, right? And uh, I finally got, it, it caught up with me. The lies, the, the house of cards fell. And I got, you know, my parents, I got in trouble you know, with my parents. And, and, and honestly, I remember getting the phone call. Hey, why don't you come home? We need to talk about the turd. They didn't say that, but that's, you know, basically... And I knew the gig was up. And at that moment, I was pretty, I, I felt pretty bad for lying, for stealing my buddy's car. Like, like it, was, it was, I was embarrassed. I was very like, I don't like this. And, and you know how that, you know that feeling like, I'm okay with this coming into the light. That's a good place to be, right? I'm okay with this secret coming into light. You know, as it's happening, you can kind of think, I, I'm okay with this. 
that's a pretty good spot to be, right? Like, I, I was pretty repentant at that moment. And I got home. And my parents could see that I was pretty repentant. That I was pretty, you know, broken up about this whole thing, and I felt pretty bad. And guess what they did? They still grounded me for three months. No, 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 not they didn't ground me because you guys didn't do it that way. They still didn't allow me to get my, I was scheduled to get my driver's license within a couple weeks. They still did not allow, they, 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 the consequence was, okay, this is a driving thing, you can't drive for another three months, which is, I mean, honestly, that's a big deal when you're almost 16 years old, like, you want to get it on your birthday, I can't get it on my birthday, the whole deal. Why did they do that? Because my parents are generous with their grace, but they're thorough with their discipline, right? They, they wanted to make sure that, 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 that I didn't go back that way. That, that, like, and, that, and God's the same way. He allows us to get a little beat up sometimes. He allows us to sit and steep in the decisions that we've made. He allows bad things to happen to us. Sometimes he even sends storms to our lives in hopes that the scars of sin, the memory of pain, the consequences of our running imprint in our brain so that we don't do it again. Make it so we don't run away again. And I want to leave you with two images this morning as we close. One is, is, is this. this is a, these are tickets. I was thinking about this week. It's almost as if as God creates us, when we're born, when, when he gives us life in this world, it's like he hands each and every one of us one of these tickets and just says, this is an invitation. I'm not going to hand it out to everybody, but Tori gets one. This is an invitation. This is an invitation. Here you go, Luke. This is an invitation. You, I, I'm giving you a chance to have a connection with me, a relationship with me that leads to life because I'm the author of life. When we run, it's like saying to God, you know, I, I just, I don't want this. At least right now. I, I, I don't want this right now. And the good news is if that's you, if that's the place that you're at, this is still available to you through God's grace. And, and you can come through repentance. You can come back to him and say, I screwed up. And through grace in Jesus Christ, he'll, he'll give you grace and say, okay, now let's, let's walk through life. But you also need to know that while he's generous in his grace, he's thorough in his discipline. And here's why. And this is the second thing. Is because I think our running starts to create all sorts of layers in our lives. When we run from God, when we run from a good God, we're running from, you know, to bad things, right? We talked about that last week. And over time, this is a, a rubber band ball. It's just got, you know, it's just a rubber band after rubber band after rubber band. And I think a, a runner's life is kind of like this. It has a bunch of layers. Because the running creates insecurities. It, it creates greed. It creates lust. It creates all of these things that, that just kind of weigh us down and, and hamper life. And God's way to, 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 to get us out of that is through discipline. And it's hard, but he's not afraid to one layer at a time go have, allow us to go through things, bad things that, 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 that help us take the layers off and flake them off to, to reveal the true life 
that he's created us for that's underneath. That's the role of discipline in our lives. That's the role of consequences. That's the role of, 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 the bad, of crisis in our lives. <laughs> it allows us to, to flake off, to realize the layers that we have and to take them off and to find out what God truly has for us. But it hurts, doesn't it? It's painful. It, it, it's difficult. It's trying. It sometimes makes us wonder, is God really good? Is God really for us? And the reality is he is because those who cling to worthless idols forfeit what God, that God's love for them. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. And guys, as I'm, as I'm preparing messages like this, I'm wrestling with the discipline that God has in my own life as he's, as he's taking layers of things off. I'm like, that hurts. I don't know if I want that. And yet I'm learning to trust him just like you are. I'm learning to trust him more. I'm learning to say in prayer, and this is going to be our ending prayer for this morning, is, God, I don't know how this works, but your will be done. God, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what your plan is, but your will be done. That's a prayer of white flag surrender. And, and I want to give us a chance this morning. I want to give you a chance this morning. And this can look, it's so different. This could be like a salvation prayer, like I've never, I've never asked for forgiveness to, from God. To God, I'm sorry, I just I keep resisting you here in this area of my life. But whatever it is for you, would you be willing to pray the white flag prayer of, Lord, your will, not mine, be done. Let's pray. God, I pray that your will would be done in our lives. I thank you for stories like this. I thank you for moments of clarity. Like Jonah, he's like, ah, I get it. I've been running from God's goodness. And then he turns and comes back. And you allow him. And you offer the same thing to us. I pray that we would take the invitation. I pray that, that, that we would, and as we take the invitation, that we would not be afraid of the, the work that's ahead, the, the work that you're going to do in our lives where we're out of love for us. You're like, no, I don't want you to, to live with this greed. I don't want you to live with this insecurity. And I pray that in the moments where it's difficult, Lord, that we would say, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Your will be done in my life. Lord, if, if wherever that hits my friends here today, I pray that they would be able to say that prayer. Your will be done in my life. I pray all this in your name. Amen.